Hey, how are we, church? Was that not pretty cool? Okay, is that, uh, I mean, these little ones, the Bible says these are blessings from the Lord. <laughs> it's pretty cool to see that, right? And uh, parents, something I want you to understand is uh, we gave each one of these students a, uh, a button that we're hoping that they're going to wear on their backpack this, this, uh, this upcoming school year. And uh, we, we did something special with those buttons this year. We actually prayed over them. We had the, uh, the staff pray over those buttons. And more than that, and it's something I don't have time to get into today. It's something that God's kind of opening my eyes to is I actually had the, the leadership here at Edinburgh Church anoint some oil, all right, some holy oil. That's not to be used for common purposes. It's to be used for three things, I believe, protection, empowerment, and to bring the favor of the Lord. It really represents the presence of the Lord in that oil. And we took that oil and we, we anointed each one of those buttons, okay? So parents, be aware they're a little oily, but I believe it's going to bring blessing to your student as they wear that. I wish I had more time to unpack all the biblical passages that talk about oil and what God can do through physical objects and the blessing that can come from that. But I just want you to know we are praying over your students and praying blessing and doing everything we can uh, to see them uh, living out the great plan that we know God has for them. So church, what a cool thing we get to do together. Amen. It's, it's, it's just neat. I'm just glad to have a church family where we can do this kind of stuff. Um, well, hey, if you are a guest with us this morning, I want to give you a warm welcome. We are so glad you are here. If you're watching online, I'm glad you are tuned in as, as well. Uh, I would make the plug, hey, as we get back into the fall, maybe consider starting to come in person again. You know, many people have told me and others over the last uh, couple months, few months, that it's just different being here. It's great being able to watch online, but it, it doesn't compare to actually being here in person and experiencing what God is doing in this place. So I would encourage you, if you're ready, hey, We'd love to see you again in, in person as we get ready for the fall. Next week, we're going to be doing something called Victory Sunday, and I don't want you to miss it, at least here or online, but we're going to be uh, hearing stories from people here at Edinburgh Church and what God is doing in their life and uh, some of the, 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 the victories that people are experiencing here at Edinburgh Church, and there will be a little more extended time of worship. Uh, as well. So encourage you and your family to be here. We will have a children's ministry for birth through K, uh, but we're going to invite older kids to be in here because we, we believe this will be a great family service uh, to be a part of as we hear those stories. Uh, but, but today I'm wrapping up the series, uh, Taking Ground, Pushing Back the Darkness and I can tell you, at least in my own life, just as I've worked on this, this series and I've been preparing these messages, uh, God's been doing a work in my life through this. Uh, he's been breaking chains in my life, and I hope he's been breaking chains in your life as well. And uh, honestly, uh, I was somewhat surprised as, we, as I started to delve into this topic this week. Um, I would probably tell you this is the week where I'm probably experiencing the most intense spiritual warfare, okay? And that usually tells me that's because God wants to do something big in, in some of our lives. And the devil doesn't want that to happen, 
Okay. Uh, this morning I'm going to be talking about breaking generational curses. Okay. Curses that pass down through our families. Now, most of us would recognize that physical traits and things like that pass down, right? Like you didn't have a choice on the nose that you were born with, correct? Some of you wish you did, right? But you didn't, okay? You didn't have, you didn't have a say on the ears that you were given, right? Uh, these are things that we recognize passed down from our parents, passed down through our families. Even certain personality traits we recognize passed down. Anybody like experiencing where you, you, know, you're, you used to see your mom or dad doing something and you thought, I will never do that? And now you're doing that? Growing up, my mom had this laugh that my sister and I would make fun of. If she found something really funny, it was this. <laughs> this is me being very vulnerable with you, okay? So we're going to take masks off around here. This past week, something funny happened. And guess what I did? <laughs> I said, no! No! This is me taking my mask off, sharing what God is doing in my life, like revealing things. I mean, I'm going to bind that. In Jesus' name. <laughs> do not do that in public, okay? How many of you found yourself, your parents saying stuff, and then you were like, I will never say that to my kids? Now you're saying it to your kids, right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Anybody found themselves saying that? Close the door. Were you raised in a barn? I'm finding myself saying that. We're paying for air conditioning. I get it now. Close the door. I never understood why my dad obsessed about the lights. Turn off the lights. Why are you leaving the lights on? Everywhere I go, there's lights. Electricity. Because I said so. That's why. What are you going to do with that? I like that one. Anybody get that we're not laughing at you, we're laughing with you. And then that's when the sibling shows up and says, no, we're laughing at you. Okay, this is one I never understood, but I'm finding myself doing it. Elbows off the table. What is so bad about elbows? I didn't get this. I'd be like, why? Is there something wrong? I mean, hands are way dirtier than elbows. And now, for whatever reason, I'm telling my kids, hey, elbows, they can't be on the table. I, don't, I have no idea why but you can't put them on the table, okay? You know, they get hurt, you'll live. Put a sock in it. Anybody done the don't make me pull this car over? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then dads will get this one. Anybody do this? Hi dad, I'm hungry. <laughs> Kids say you're hungry. Hey, hey hungry. I'm dad. Um, I know. I, I, it's just amazing how these things, we recognize things passed down. They passed down from mom and dad. Uh, we recognize personality, physical traits passed down. We recognize all this. But one of the things maybe, especially as Americans, that we don't really recognize is how even, even spiritual things can pass down. And that can be good. 
um, but that can also be bad. There can be um, curses that actually pass down, according to the Bible, from generation to generation. And again, as Americans, like we, we really struggle with this idea. Uh, part of that is just our, our American philosophy is, is really founded upon this idea of individualism. This idea of protecting individual rights, individual liberties. Just understand most of the world doesn't operate that way. That's not the philosophy of most other countries. Most, it's about protecting the community, protecting the whole. Okay, and I'm not commenting good or bad about that, but one of the side effects of that individualistic spirit in America is we, 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 we start to think that I'm not affected by my past. I'm not affected by previous generations. I'm not affected by, by, my, by my, anything my grandparents did. It leads to this very much, I'm an island to myself, not impacted or affected by what family of my past did. Now, don't get me wrong. We're especially seeing this with younger generations. Some are now saying they're complete victims of their past. They're complete victims of what previous generations did and what happened. And that's not necessarily true either, okay? But we do need to recognize that the Bible teaches that we are probably more impacted and affected by our family and past generations than we, we maybe recognize as the average American, Okay, but I want to show you something that God says in Exodus 20. God says this. This is actually from the Ten Commandments, and he says this in multiple places throughout the Bible, but this is the, um, in the very Ten Commandments, and we might have read over this hundreds of times and, and never noticed what it actually says. So let me read it for us. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in the heavens above, on the earth below, or in the waters beneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. He's basically saying, you better not turn your back on me. That's basically what God is saying here. You better not have any other gods that come before your worship and your serving and your following my commands. Um, I better be first and foremost in your life, right? There's that temptation. There's that temptation, and for whatever reason, we see it all throughout the scriptures. We see it in our life as well, to turn to other things, to try to find our hope, to try to find our security in other things other than Yahweh, other than the God of the Bible, okay? And he's saying, you better not do that, right? Uh, 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 you know, in the ancient times, they believed if, you know, certain gods would bless their crops, certain gods would, would give them children, things like that. And so they would turn to these other gods. But God's saying, I am your hope. And if you turn to those other gods, it is not going to go well for you in the end. That's basically what he is saying here. It's not going to go well for you in the end. And Jesus said it this way, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, right, and seek, me, seek Yahweh first, all those other things, right, I, I, will, I, will, I will bless your life. You will have that protection over your life. You'll have my favor on your life. You'll have empowerment for your life. Doesn't mean you're going to get everything you want. Doesn't mean, but you will be in the realm of my blessing. And if you turn your back on me, it's not going to go well for you in the end. This is what he's trying to communicate. He goes on in verse 5 to say, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Wow. Now, God is using human language here to try to explain something for us that we can understand. But it's basically this idea, God is presenting himself here like a jealous lover. And he's saying, I love you, and I want you. And if I can't 
have you. It's not going to go well for you. I mean, that is what he's saying here. I am a jealous God, right? We, we can relate to this. I, I remember when um, I was dating Danielle, and she would go to like a party or something without me, and there'd be some dude there. I'd be like, who is this chump? And I'd find myself like wanting to get protective and and, 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 you know, and if I felt like she was a little too much, a little too much conversation, find myself getting, feeling a little spurned, right? She'd get the, she'd feel the heat of that. Let's just, you know, spurn. Like, we all know what a jealous, a spurned lover can, can be like. God is saying, I am like that. I am a jealous God. That's how much I want you. If you turn your back on me, it's not going to go Well. He goes on to say, visiting the iniquity, the sin of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, the word hate here, I mean, don't, don't think this means explicitly like I, I, I explicitly hate God. No, it's the idea of I've turned my back on God and I'm not willing to love him, serve him, follow his, his commands. That, that's, that's what is meant by hate. You hate when you don't. You don't obey, you don't serve, you don't make a priority in your life or in your family's life. And notice he's saying, I will revisit that upon future generations. Now, it seems unjust to us, again, especially as Americans. It seems very unfair, but understand it's more, there's more going on here. He, he, God is basically telling us, do, do you recognize that when you turn your back on me, patterns Maybe even spiritual curses, maybe even demonic activity gets a hold of your family and will begin to pass on from one generation to the next. That's what happens when you don't keep me first. These patterns and these spiritual realities can attach themselves to your family and it can pass down from one generation to the next and then to the next and then to the next. By the way, it's not just the Bible that teaches this. Science is catching up to what the Bible's been teaching for thousands of years. We've discovered that if you had an alcoholic parent, for example, or in your family past, we now know statistically it to be a fact, you are going to be more predisposed to being an alcoholic yourself. Doesn't mean you will be an alcoholic. In fact, I want to just say right now, you will not be an alcoholic in Jesus' name pronounce a blessing over you, but even science now knows you will be more predisposed to addiction. Addictions passed down from one family to another. It's not just the Bible that teaches that. There have been all kinds of studies on nurture. Did you realize even fears and experiences of parents can pass down and affect future generations? Whether, Whether that child ever had contact with that parent or not. They've done studies on this. They've done studies with mice. They actually had mice who um, could go one of two ways. Uh, one way to get food. If they got food there, they were safe. If they went another way, they got a shock. And uh, these mice quickly learned, like, don't go that way, you'll get a shock. Well, then these mice had babies, and they actually separated the parents from the baby mice, put the babies back in the cage, and go one of two ways. The babies knew not to go where they would get shocked. And now they're finding that human beings have the same thing. They've studied POWs, things like that, that traumatic experiences, things like that can pass down in effect. 
the next generation. They've done a study in, uh, on twins. This was actually done in Minnesota, by the way. I encourage you to look it up. It's a fascinating study on twins who were separated at birth, who never knew each other. They found that those twins grew up. In one case, these twins married wives with the same exact name. They drove the same exact car. They had the same exact job. And I'm bringing this up to say what we're learning is how much we are affected by our nature. Yes, nurture matters, the environment in which you grew up in. But some of you, you know, you are great parents. You're too hard on yourself, but you were great parents. But there was something in the nature of your child that needed to be dealt with. And it didn't matter how great the home life was. It didn't matter how much nurturing there was. There was something in the nature that needed to be dealt with. We're learning that nature is very important to our lives and that it affects our lives in maybe ways that as Americans we don't, honest, because we, again, we don't think we're affected. We think we're an island by ourselves. We create ourselves. We make ourselves into whatever we want. I remember I had a friend who he, he said when his daughter was born, she's like a blank sheet of paper. And he thought, you know, we're going to grow her up in a great home and we will be able to imprint on her life what we want. But he started reading the Bible and he came away from the gospel and recognized that that's not the case. That when you actually study the Bible, you get to the heart of what the gospel's teaching. It's saying we have all had our nature affected by our first parents. Did you know we all have the same original parents? Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and their sin has now passed down from one generation to the next. And sorry, men, we're told it passes down through the husband. Hence why Jesus was born how? By a virgin. Because otherwise, Jesus would have inherited that sin nature as well and would have had a predisposition to sin against God. So you see, this is wrapped up all over Christian theology. We are affected, and it begins to manifest itself in different families in specific ways. I want you right now to think, what maybe in my family is something that I see, yeah, it's unique. It's maybe a unique sin or a unique kind of hang-up or addiction or something to my family. For some of you, it might be something like an addiction. Like I've seen it. It runs in my family, this specific addiction or just this tendency towards addictive personalities. Some of you, it might be fear and worries. There are certain families, it's just fears and worries passed down. Some of you, it might be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be a spirit of gossip. Just for whatever in my family, just we gossip about everyone. We gossip about other family members. We're always gossiping. Just think about whatever that might be in your family, because maybe that's, a, that's, that's something that needs to be broken and needs to be prayed over today. And that's the hope of this message. That's the hope, is that these chains are going to be broken because by the blood of Jesus, they can be. Amen. We got to pray and ask that they would be broken. But right now, I want you to see that this is something that the Bible teaches, and it's very serious, and something that we need to treat as seriously so that we can have these chains broken and walk in the freedom God wants for our life, why Jesus came to die for us, okay? We have a great example of this, in fact, with the people group in the Bible who are known as the Canaanites. You need to understand the Canaanites were cursed. They were a cursed people. 
It's why God is going to send Israel in sort of as his hand of judgment to wipe them out, to take over their land. Why? Because they were cursed. Now, they were cursed in part because they they were an evil people group. They they did evil things. We need to understand, this was a a very evil group of people. You say, how evil? You know, what, what were they doing? Um, well, they, they would sacrifice their, their babies, their children, in fire and burn them alive to, to appease their god Molech, that he might bless their crops. Things like that. Would we call that evil? Okay, now this is an evil, evil people group, and God's judgment is going to be on this people group because they are cursed. But, but why are they cursed? Well, the Bible's actually going to tell us why they're cursed. It goes back, believe it or not, to the story of Noah and uh, how Canaan, um, this, 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 this people group, is going to become uh, cursed. Okay, So this starts with the, the story of Noah. This is after the flood. We read this in Exodus uh, 9. It says, the sons of Noah who came out of the boat with their father were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? And then it tells us Ham is the father of Canaan. It says, then after the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. One day, he drank some wine he had made, and he became drunk, and he lay naked inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. And I, I think the idea here is that they're mocking, and there's, he's, he's mocking, or he's wanting to make fun, or he's laughing and dishonoring his father. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and they backed into the tent to cover their father. And as they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. Okay, So this curse of Canaan that's going to lead to them being wiped out by the Israelites and having their land taken from them, it all goes back to the story of Noah cursing his son Ham, but he doesn't actually even curse his son Ham. He curses his grandson Canaan. Okay, so what is this rooted in? There's two things I want us to see that this curse is rooted in. Why was Canaan cursed? Well, first, friends, it's because of Noah's sin. And we tend to want to blame Ham. And his mistake. But actually, friends, the burden here falls on Noah. What's Noah doing getting drunk and passing out like that? I mean, you read his story, he's, 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 he's like throwing a little party for himself. I mean, on one hand, we can be able to, he just endured an apocalypse, okay? I get it. But on the other hand, he's going to get drunk, he's going to pass out, okay, after throwing a little party for himself, apparently. I mean, you have expected when Ham walks, what, he's got like a lampshade on his head? I don't, dude's like passed out naked butt naked. 
And it's almost like he's going to project this now onto his son and his grandson. But this, this, this burden falls on Noah. It got me thinking, friends, the lesson here, you know, parents, we do have to recognize we, we do take on a responsibility when we have children. And uh, our, our <laughs> very much our sins can affect future generations. We, we do have, now, none of us are perfect in here. Too many parents beat themselves up, okay? Um, I've tried to be very open and honest about my own failures and mistakes. But at the same time, we've got to recognize that this is a serious responsibility we have as, as parents. Uh, our kids are watching us. Have we not learned this? Man, I remember this was many years ago. I, uh, I was saying a little word under my breath, okay? It wasn't necessarily a cuss word, but it sounded like a cuss word. And I would say it under my breath. All right, I'm not going to say it in front of you. I know you want to know what it is. I'm not going to say it. But it sounded like a cuss word, but it was not a cuss word, all right? But I would say it under my breath. And then we get uh, a little note from uh, my son's teacher. This is like second grade. And, and she said, uh, just want you to be aware. Uh, Logan is saying a word that sounds very much like a cuss word. And he says it in front of all the kids, and he says it all the time. Now, I learned that, and I'm like, whoa, I say this word under my breath? I didn't even know, like, I don't say it out loud. It's more of a when I stub my toe kind of thing. And yet, my kids were watching and now repeating. And I, that for me was sobering. I was like, whoa, even things I'm seeing under my breath they're picking up on. I remember when he was two years old, I'm mowing the front lawn, right? I'm mowing the lawn, and then I see him. All of a sudden, in the corner of my eye, I see something. He had one of those little tiny mowers. He's, he's down there walking, mowing next to me. He wants to be like his dad. And I remember thinking, I am training this kid up right. <laughs> one day, he's going to take over the land. <laughs> Go mow this yard for me. And guess what? He does. That, that, that has come to fruition. But friends, our kids are watching us more than we realize. And, you know, that can seem almost overwhelming. That can seem very burdensome. But what I've just reminded is, okay, Brent, what do you got to do? You just keep following Jesus. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't start obsessing about all your failures and successes. Just start following Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. They'll see that too. And when you do make mistakes, if you're following Jesus, you'll repent of your mistakes and they'll learn from that as well. So I just keep my eyes on Jesus. But we do need to recognize that our kids are, are watching and will be inf impacted, possibly even future generations. It wasn't just Noah's sin, though. It was also Noah's words. Because we read on, look at this. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. What are you doing, Dad? May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed, and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. 
Man, he, here Noah is using words, and as I thought about this, man, it got me realizing, do we, do we need sometimes to step back and recognize our words have power? Our words can bless, and our words can curse. Proverbs says it this way, Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And, and what that's saying is your tongue is going to create either blessing or your tongue is going to create cursing. And you're going to eat one of those. You're going to have to live with, with whatever world you create with your tongue. I, I think, again, as American Christians, like we love to study the Bible, we read the Bible, but we don't really think a whole lot about spiritual things. And we don't think about how powerful words are and how spiritual words are. The Bible seems to teach words have the very power to change the fabric of your reality. Did you know that? This is in part because you are made in the image of God. And let me ask you this question. When God created, how did he create? Does it say he used his fingers and took clay and, you know, and made the world and fashioned the world in the form he wanted? I'm not saying that, you know, maybe. But if you get back to the heart of how God wants us to know he created. See, there were other creation narratives at the time that Moses received this revelation from God. Others believe that creation itself was God. That God had evolved into what is creation today. In fact, the Egyptian narrative taught that the, the gods had sex with one another and that their children became the universe as we know it. There were all kinds of other creation narratives. But when Yahweh shows up and speaks to Moses, he says, I want the world to know that when I created, I, I did it simply by speaking a word. <laughs> that is far above all other gods and powers. That God just said, let there be, and there was. And friends, we are made in his image. Have you ever stepped back to think how powerful your words are in shaping? You can create worlds with your tongue, and you can create worlds of blessing, or you can create worlds of cursing. What world are you going to live in? I, I, this might sound silly to some of you. I, I don't really care because <laughs> it blesses me to do it. But I wake up every day now and I say, God, today is going to be a great day in Jesus' name. I'm going to decree it. And it shapes my reality. It shapes my perspective. It shapes my day. Friends, when you use your words with faith, you need to understand you can create your words have so much power. And so you can be blessing your own life through what you speak, and you can be blessing your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren through the words you speak. Do you believe that? And so something I'd love to see all of his parents doing, this is something I now practice. When I pray for my kids at night, I go in and I put my hands usually on their head. Sometimes I'll put it on their shoulder. Sometimes I'll put it even on their chest. But I put my hands on my child and I speak scripture over them. 
I'd love to see us parents doing that. Every single one of us get to a place. I know for some of us, because you haven't done that, and it just might be, seem uncomfortable at first, but I'd love to see us get to a point where we could go in with our child at night sleeping and just put our hand on it. And it doesn't matter whether they're a child or not. They could be 40 years old. But you place your hand on them and you declare, God has great plans for you. God will bless your life in Jesus' name. You will be the head and not the tail in Jesus' name. You will be a weapon in the hands of the almighty God for his kingdom purposes. God has great plans for your life in Jesus' name. And I'm declaring that over you right now. Our words have the power to bless There is power. Can you feel the power in this room right now? It's the power you possess. And you got to choose, am I going to bless or am I going to curse? I even talked to some parents this past week. I just said, even be careful. There is a time and place, even when your kids aren't present, when you're talking about them. Sometimes you have to state facts. Hey, this is what our child's dealing with right now. This is what our child's going through right now. This is what our child's struggling with right now. But I encourage you, when you're having those conversations with your spouse or whoever it might be, first ask your, what, what's going on in my heart right now? Is there anger coming up? The bitterness coming up? Things like that? Okay? And if so, I would, I would encourage you to stop talking. Because you might start speaking cursing. What I would encourage you to do is then change the subject from cursing and say, okay, Now we're going to start saying what God is going to do with their life. Even if they're not in the car, you start speaking it because your words have power. Friends, start using your tongue to bless. You can bless your own life. You can bless your children, your grandchildren, your great-children. You can bless this church. You can start blessing our community and the world around us through the power of your words. Now, Maybe some of us, we've had some words spoken in our past. Maybe some of us, we've, we've had some sin that we grew up in and we've seen it and, it and we know or it's in our family history and we know it's there. And, and maybe you're wondering, like, okay, how can I, how can I break that curse? I, I don't want to walk into that. I, I, I want to be, I want something new for me and my future family. What do I do? Well, I asked myself this question. I said, I said, did anyone in the Bible break the curse of Canaan? Is there anyone who came out of that family line broke? Can you think of anyone in the Bible who bucked that family curse and stepped into blessing? Can you think of anyone? Oh, your pastor found a nugget this week. He's doing some study this week. Fun when God reveals something. I, I I was thinking about it. I'll give you a clue. She was a prostitute. Think about that for a second. Amazing who God will bless. I'm talking about Rahab, the prostitute. So God has now sent Israel into the land of Canaan to take it over. It's yours, Israel. I'm judging the, the Canaanites and I'm giving you their land. But they had to go through Jericho. That's what kept them from getting into the promised land, this first fortified city. But if you remember the story, they send out some spies 
And Rahab the prostitute meets these spies and recognizes something. They worship the one true God. And so we actually have this account where, where she actually says to them in Joshua 2, she says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them, for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. She recognized who Yahweh was and said, I'm joining team Yahweh. And so she's going to turn against her people because she knows they're cursed. There's no hope there. I'm going to join forces with Yahweh. And she's going to dedicate her life to Yahweh, and the Israelites are going to come through, and sure enough, they're going, to, they're, going to, they're going to wipe out everybody in Jericho, except they're going to spare Rahab and her family. Now, it gets even better. We know that God is going to bless the line of Rahab and her family. How do we know that? Because we're going to turn our Bibles to Matthew 1. <laughs> and we're going to read this. Listen to this. Salmon and Rahab was the father and mother of Boaz. Boaz and Ruth, the father and mother of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. So Rahab makes this one decision. I and my family are joining with team Yahweh. And what does God do? He's going to use her family to bring about King David. We, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the story of Ruth, didn't we? And we saw that uh, Obed is going to end up marrying Ruth. Well, Obed was Rahab's son. In fact, I, I think we have a family, <laughs> I kind of made a family tree up here. Let's see. If, so this kind of, because I know sometimes this gets confusing, but Salmon and Rahab, so they have Boaz. Boaz and Ruth have Obed. Obed has Jesse, Jesse has David, and you keep going down several more generations, and you get to Joseph, Jesus' dad. And you think, if God can save a prostitute and bless her line to end up being the line that Joseph, the dad of Jesus, is born from, you think God can't bless your family and break any curse? Who are you to not know that God is the living God? See, that's why you got to know Yahweh. Rahab said, I'm choosing Yahweh. So what do we do? Okay, well, what do we do? Let me just give you a few things. We can do this quickly. Here's the first thing. I'm going to encourage you to be the link. Be the link. What do I mean by that? I brought this chain with me. Some of you, you grew up in a Christian family, and you've been blessed by that, and you need to be thankful for that. Those blessings have flowed into you and your family, and you are right here, and you know what your challenge is? Continue being the link for the next generation. Continue being the link, the blessing for the next generation. Not your parents' faith, your faith, blessing the next generation, so that the blessing continues to pass down. Others of you you're right here, and you need to be the first link. And some of you today, so that curses will start to be broken and you will step into the blessing that Yahweh has for you, you need to, you need to make a decision today. I'm choosing Yahweh. I'm going to be the first link that's going to ask for the blessing of Yahweh in my family. Okay? Be the link because that's going to lead 
to blessing and untold blessings for future generations. Doesn't mean everyone in our family future is going gonna, is gonna to accept Yahweh, but I'm telling you, if you will do your best to follow Jesus, those blessings are going to flow down and will pass down. Okay, so be the link. Second thing is we got to repent of any present or past family sin. I've said every week throughout this series, repentance is the key to freedom. So friends, we're going to spend some time in a minute just repenting of anything in our family's past so that those chains can be broken and we can step into the freedom and the blessing God wants for us. And then last, friends, we're going to start speaking blessing. Amen? We're going to be a church that speaks blessing. Listen, this is what we read in Joshua 24, 24, 15. Joshua said it this way. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. This has to be our putting our stake in the ground, church. But as for me and my household, what? We will serve the Lord. Okay, we will serve, we will serve the Lord. Let's put that stake in the ground today so that that blessing can begin to flow. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna ask us, can we just bow our heads in a word of prayer? And if God can do it for Rahab and bring such incredible blessing through her family, God can do it for any one of you. And while our heads are bowed, I, I, just want, I just want to ask if there's some of you who need to become that first link and, and you need to make that decision today so that family curses can be broken and you can step into something new because God says that in Christ, every spiritual blessing is yours. That's why Jesus came, so that every spiritual blessing can be yours. That's your inheritance. You gotta step into that. You gotta make a decision that that's what you want. You gotta desire it and ask God for it. And I'm just saying, if you wanna be that first link today, would you take a step of faith? And with no one looking, could you just raise your hand? Yeah, I see some hands going up. Is there anybody else? Just raise a hand. Hi. So we could see. I see you. See you, sister. I see you there. I see you over here. I see you. Yeah. Yeah, sister. See you in the back there too. That's you. We're just going to pray right now. We're just going to pray, Lord Jesus, today I choose you. Come into my life by your spirit and teach me how to live for you. And may your blessings, Yahweh, begin to flow into me and into my family. And maybe your kids don't even know Jesus yet. Maybe they haven't made that decision yet, but we're gonna, we're gonna pray right now that they will come to know Jesus. And we're gonna declare it. And we're going to exercise faith and believing as a church. Even right now, wherever that child is at, they're going to sense the love of God in their heart right now. And they're going to know they're loved and their hearts are going to soften. That they will be open and ripe for receiving the gospel. And now I'm going to ask all of us uh, in, in here, just in our hearts, pray this, this prayer. This is between you and God. We just say, I here and now reject and disown all of the sins of my ancestors. 
I specifically renounce the sins of, and if God is bringing any sin to mind, anything, bondage, that you know is in your family, just renounce it right now. We renounce it. We renounce it. Break it. We renounce it in Jesus' name. As one who has now been delivered from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's family, I can't cancel out all demonic working that has been passed down to me from my family. As one who has been crucified and raised with Jesus Christ and who sits with him in heavenly places, I renounce all satanic assignments that are directed towards me and my family. I cancel out every curse that Satan and his works have put on me. Jesus Christ became the one who takes all these curses upon himself when he died for me and my family on the cross. I reject all of Satan's claims of ownership over me and my family. This day I declare that I belong to the Lord Jesus Christ who purchased me with his own blood. I declare myself to be fully and eternally signed over and committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. By the authority I have in Christ, we now command every evil spirit and every enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ that is influencing me and my family to leave our presence and home. I commit myself to my heavenly Father to do his will from this day forward. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. Friends, hey, yeah, let's clap. Chains were just broken, broken. In Jesus' name, by his blood, by his spirit, in this place, through your faith, this power, this power through your faith because of Jesus. Now, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna ask us to stand. We're gonna get an opportunity to respond with some worship. Please stand so I can pronounce a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you all and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen.